We all have heard horror stories of how a remodel nearly tore a couple apart, as well as how impactful our environment can be on our state of well-being. Remodels don't have to end in divorce, and we can reflect our true selves in our environment with the right approach. Welcome to Psychotecture. My name is Rachel Melvald, and I'm a psychotherapist and designer. Psychotecture was developed as a methodological approach to ease issues that come up in design challenges, as well as a philosophy on how our environment can reflect our highest selves. Each week, I will interview an expert in the field of design and psychology to shed light on design challenges. I will also have a special series called The Psychotech is In, where I can offer help to those in design intervention need. If you're enjoying this Psychotech is in, please subscribe to my podcast, as well as follow me on social media at Rachel Melvald. And if you are a client, couple, or designer architect having a design challenge, please feel free to email me at my website, psychotecture.com, or rachel at psychotecture.com. Welcome to the Psychotech is in. This week on The Psychotect is In, I am so pleased to introduce our artist spotlight guest, artist, interior designer, and architect, Nicole Landau, on her upcoming sculpture called Universe, where she pulls together string theory, energy, and how healing can be connected in one sculpture. I am really excited to introduce our guest on the Psychotectus in Nicole Landau, who is a really revered installation artist, but multimedia has been in the art world for several years, who has quite a portfolio, quite a beautiful oeuvre of work. And when your work came to me, I thought, oh my God, this is a perfect piece to discuss in light of what psychotecture is. And with the premiere of your installation, Universe, let's just introduce Nicole. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on the show. I'm very excited to talk with you today. And Nicole, so what we'll start with is kind of a bit of an opener. Tell us about this work and how it incorporates sound, string theory, light, and how could you describe this to our guests? I I guess it started about a year and a half ago. I listened to this podcast where Deepak Chopra was interviewing Dr. Michu Kaku. And Michu Kaku is a leading theoretical physicist and co-founder of string field theory, which is an attempt to explain everything in the universe. And the way that he explained it, even an artist, I don't have a background in math or physics, I was able to understand it. It inspired my how I saw my own art. It inspired this new sculpture. And I just thought, this is amazing. He was so just engaging. And I loved how he explained string theory. So I, I can give you like a quick overview. Yes, of can you please said. give me a quick overview? Because I would love to understand it in a layman's way, as well as our guests. Okay. All right. Well, he said that Einstein, in the last 30 years of his life, tried to create a unified field theory, which kind of would marry quantum theory with atomic physics into one theory. He wasn't able to actually accomplish that. But string theory kind of takes off from there because it says you're actually able to unify the four forces in the universe. And it does so in terms of music. 
and it does so in terms of music because as we know the sensory of music and i think this is what speaks to me when we even visually describe actually can you just first visually describe the largesse of this installation sure it is um well the sculpture is 28 feet long 14 feet wide and it ranges from 5 feet to 12 feet And it's made up of these columns of light. They're made out of glass and they have LED belts, you know, that goes within each of the columns and it has a reflective mirrored base. So, and you can walk through the piece. It's almost as if it's, I wanted it to look like it was kind of had emerged from the earth, like a set of bones, or you're walking into, to me, it kind of looks like eyelashes as well. So it's like you're walking into like the eye of the universe or the eye of creation in this piece. It really feels like that. It has that almost like prehistoric in into the bones, but it is going into the eyelashes. So you are going into this architectural space, right? It's I wanted it to be both organic and also architectural. And my background is in architecture. I have a degree in architecture. And so, I mean, my first loves are interior design, architecture, and art. I mean, those are, and then I'm an artist, right? So, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another wonderful reason why I wanted you on this show because you have that background of first architecture and moving into art. My last guest was an architect moving into art as well. And the blending of these worlds and having that that background is really wonderful. Where did you study architecture? What was um, your I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder. So oh. I have an undergraduate degree. So I did work in construction. I had a really exciting career in construction management. That's my next question. What, what is your background and how you came to be with this fine piece? Um, well, I mean, 17 years ago, I just decided to take that leap of faith and with barely selling any art, I just decided I was an artist and I was going to just make it happen. (laughs) And I quit my job in construction management with, I mean, this was 17 years ago and I just had these shows coming up and I was like, I'm just, I had only sold, like I had one small show. I had sold one piece. I probably made $250 profit in that show. And then I just thought this next show, that's it. I'm doing it. And I just decided I was going to give my notice and focus entirely on this um, (laughs) this show. And 17 years ago, I made $12,000, which back then was a lot of money for me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love that you were doing construction management. So you were doing really the, in the trenches of architecture and building, you were working on Mm -hmm the building aspects. So here you get this show and it is a leap of faith. And you took that risk and so great that you did because look at what's come to be. Your first series that you did, how has that evolved in terms of moving into universe? Because we're going to go back to this, this installation piece. Okay, so the string theory actually made me see my my regular art in a whole different light, like I was saying before. So I kind of see art as energy and that energy can fill a space. 
And so my art has kind of like a very organic nature to it. And it also has a very you know strong architectural line. As I'm working in photography and the way that I compose my pieces, there's often like very clean lines to my work within that organic shape. And then this sculpture also, I think, holds that same, same thing because it is very organic. You know, it's almost like a wave of sound as you move through the piece, besides being kind of like a bone-like structure or, you know, walking into the eye, I also see it as like a wave of energy yeah. as you're walking through it. And I also think like my art as well kind of holds, it has, holds an energy and vibration. And that goes into talking about the sculpture too, as you go back to the string theory. That's so beautifully described because as being a psychotherapist, why this conversation is so engaging to me is that the more that I've worked with trauma, And the more that I've worked with the sensory of trauma and so much of it being pre-verbal, you know, when you're working with whether it's acute trauma, like an an accident or, you know, even developmental chronic relational Mm -hmm. trauma, it's very embodied. And so the more you heal in the body, it's really coming from, I do this kind of work called somatic experiencing where we're mm-hmm. kind of uncovering the proprioceptic vestibular system and what it needs to complete its own defenses. And so the more that I've gotten involved in healing in working with trauma, the connection to art like yours that's really kind of going into it's almost like this piece universe it's like going into the underbelly it feels like it's going into this chamber of sound and vibration and energy and like you said string theory there's this mathematical vibration to it so I'm jumping ahead but How these two worlds, obviously, and universe, and I think this was your intention, is to heal. So, okay, an important part of the string theory that I want to just bring up is they say that everything in the universe comes out of this vibration. So they were saying that physics is a harmony of these vibrating strings and the universe and creation is this symphony of vibrating strings or this universe or one song. And so this piece is participatory. It's kind of this participatory observation. So as, you know, in terms of everything as vibration and music, as someone sings to it or an orchestra plays a symphony to it, or if it's near the beach and the waves crash, the sculpture actually lights up in response to the sounds that it hears. So it's bringing together people in this universe or one song of the universe as they contribute and create this piece. Oh, Okay, so once you walk into the piece, it relates that person to where they are in that space. Yeah, exactly. So there's acoustic sensors that go around the the base of the piece. And so um, it will pick up on that sound and then just organically and progressively light up in response to that sound. And you could move this piece, like you're saying, anywhere from the ocean to the city sounds? Well, it's not really portable, <laughs> <can't really> <laughs> it. but it will be site specific. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's and pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. And where is it living now? It's living as a concept. I'm working with Wendy Posner of Posner Fine Art. She's um, she's representing me on this sculpture. So we are in conversations with some 
potential clients right now. So we'll see where it ends up. Okay, so we're going to mm-hmm. see where this is going to be landing and birth. And that's very exciting because right. in my mind, I want this to definitely be in various sites so that you know we could experience this engagement mm-hmm. of human and sound and space. Right. And when you were talking about kind of the healing aspect of, of things. I connected this after I created the piece, but I think it really represents that in in a certain way. So when I was in New Zealand a few years ago, my friend, one of my best friends lives there and she woke me up at four in the morning and took me down this three mile hike to this valley with a lake. We were walking through the dark with flashlights, just, you know, it's kind of muddy and rainy there. And we get to um, before the sun has has risen and we sat down on the hill overlooking this valley with a big lake. And as one ray of light came up, you know, over the hill, one bird started to sing. And then as soon as the light started to pick up all the birds in the valley, I mean, there must've been tens or thousands of birds in here in this valley oh. and roosters were crowing. And it was like this, symphony of birds just welcoming the day and she I mean she's such an artist herself and she said they're telling each other their dreams from the night and I just thought how beautiful is that thought right wow I love that thought and then as the sun just fully came you know came above and lit the valley all the birds kind of quieted down again you know there'd be a little bird here and there but it was not that crescendo of just energy and life and I thought this is so much like the string theory and you know just vibration and energy of you know transfer you know with the sun you know not only the sun but like you know everything in the world becomes you start to see it as a vibration Right. So in essence, string theory holding this primordial vibration, right? It holds the keys to that symphony. When you were experiencing this symphony of birds in the morning and connecting and cueing into that, which like I was saying, studying Jung and analytical dream work, as well as working with trauma, I think that's such a beautiful meditation to talk about the dream and how we even interpret it in sound mm, in morning. So I never thought about that. So, you know, to relate it back to my sculpture, I hope that it will be kind of like that same symphony of that one song where people are all coming together and this feeling of completion and crescendo and triumph as the piece is fully lit. And it's something that they've accomplished together. So you could have how many people can be in this vessel? It can be around or through. So you can walk around it or through the piece. Through the piece. Mm -hmm. And you could have this beautiful connection of, like we were saying, that when we look at the Jungian collective unconscious and how we, Mm -hmm. you know, in that view, how healing it is to understand how connected we are, right? Exactly. That is exactly what I I want, you know, especially now in this day and age, we crave that connection with people. This was kind of conceived before, you know, the pandemic, but I think that we all crave that connection. We've been so separate and, Mm -hmm. you know, people, so, and then this can be outside as well. So it will be something that you can 
participate in like you know at Desert X where that was open this year and people were able to kind of go from sculpture to sculpture. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I checked that out finally this weekend for the closing. I think mm-hmm. to have more interactive public installation art of this time I think is really a calling because mm-hmm. there is a need to be outside more, right? As it is still safer and we look at safety as always number one, right? Yet this opportunity that you preemptively saw, you know, even before the pandemic was how to simulate this collective symphony and this connection of people in this this beautiful architectural form. And I think as we're even talking about it, the the sense of this sound that kind of transcends all of our ego, our intellect, our day-to-day. And there's something about just experiencing together. Right, right. Yeah, it's almost, I mean, you were talking about meditation, art, at least art for myself. When I'm in that moment of creation, it's almost like a meditation. You know, I'm completely present in that moment. I'm not thinking about other things, you know, that are happening in my life. It's just like that calm kind of serene feeling that you get from meditation. And I feel like it's connected to that kind of I guess you could say like that quantum field where it's just a transfer of energy back and forth in that creation. And I feel like also that a lot of the times, you know, my art itself, it holds that like peacefulness and serenity. Even when I'm using like a very vibrant colors in my photography based artwork, it still holds that energy of creation where you know, a certain energy that fills the room with that energy of creation. If you think of different artists, you know, if there's like Justin Bauer maybe has more of like a frenetic, like energetic feel to his paintings where maybe Mary Course has a very calm, serene, you know, calm feeling to, to her work. I really appreciate you bringing that up in how even in your previous work, you're using color when you're in the place of being an artist and creation Mm -hmm. there is this sense of like transcendence right and it does kind of like what I'm hearing from you and your experience as an artist it goes into a physics almost right it goes into a vibration that Mm -hmm. transcends language and all of this Okay, well, it transcends language, but if you start thinking about universal languages like love, music, art, mm-hmm. like that universal language is all goes back to energy and vibration. Yes. And then I, I start to see kind of like the string theory as this connection between both spirituality and science, because you think of like love or an emotion, that's all an energy that you're giving off and it goes, you can feel someone's emotion or energy. So I feel like it it connects both of those. We elicit it as well as when we feel it, we're connecting to other people vibrationally, like when you dream Mm -hmm. of them, right? Or when you choose to connect, you know, in your psyche. 
Right. Or if you if, or think about when you just think about someone across the world and then they reach out and call you. I mean, when you start to think of it in, in this way of the string theory, I feel like it's all encompassing. I love how you use string theory as this is what it is. There is a physics behind it, right? There, mm-hmm. is, there is this science. It's, it's mathematical. It's mathematical. And that mm-hmm. kind of stems and probably supports a lot of your architectural brain, right? That's originally why I went into architecture. I felt at one time, I felt that that art was too wide. I, I was like, how do you choose what to do? Where architecture or design or furniture design, like all things that I just love, I felt, well, I'm going to design a chair or I'm going to you know, design a building. And then it, it seems like an easier thing. But really, they're, they're both, it's the same. <laughs> well, you know, and it's almost, I think of it in the sense of safety again. Like if we're looking at trauma work, we're looking at grounding. It's like if you don't have grounding and safety, it's hard to expand. You want to explore once you have your anchor, you know, mm-hmm. in some regards, because you know, it's almost like you look at astrology sometimes, I guess maybe I'm now veering from my psychotherapy brain. <laughs> but like, you know, like I'm a Virgo, I'm very grounded, I'm of earth, I'm of structure, I'm a plan. And the Pisces is the dreamer, the drifter, you know, imaginer. They're the complement. But there's something about when we're not like in the architectural, you're almost rooted in that way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Or like in psychological terms, like it's like a secure base, right? Or secure attachment to form. Yeah. But, but if you start to think about it, I mean, architecture could be anything. Yeah. It could be anything. Do you know what the coolest architecture happening right now, which you would appreciate as you talked about your morning with the symphony that informed the Mm -hmm. string theory concept Uh for your piece? I have a little nest, like, you know, right in the bougainvillea of this, this bird. And it's, it gives me more joy just to go look at this little bird and this nest. And it's just, astounding just to look at the nest. Right? <laughs> I would like to see how it's put together. I want to show you that because you as an artist would really find the intricacies of that. And, and that's what I so appreciate as an artist, me coming from a psychotherapist brain who certainly appreciates and loves what art does for the world, that you're able to really deconstruct and recreate and Mm -hmm. connect that to people just like you're doing in universe yeah yeah just on that subject of birds real quick one of my favorite things that I learned this year was that hummingbirds use spider webs to kind of glue their nests together they use the spider webs. <laughs> spider webs. Creative? Which are, so creative, which are like the strongest of thread. The right. that stuff right. is really like indestructible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those hummingbirds! They're such magic. Right. And and moving, you know, when I was also wanting to ask you because I had brought this up when I was actually, and this is so perfect, we have this interview, I was doing a meditation webinar with Mm -hmm. the Rothko Chapel. And 
I was wondering, like you were saying, in colors that vibrate, what is your experience as you've done in your work? And I think you've already referenced this, but how how do you find different colors to choose in that vibration and create a mood? Well, first, I love that you chose Rothko. I mean, he... I love how his art has that horizon line and that the layering of color, this translucent color is so complex in his work. And I just find it so beautiful. Yeah. So he actually is taking, he's layering those colors to create his work. For me, on my on my original art is, is photography based. And so I'm going out and actually taking original photographs. And then I use the colors that are found in those photos and I translucently layered those to come up with the composition of my photography artwork, which you can kind of see behind me. It is beyond exquisite. And we're definitely going to let our listeners know how to get to see your previous series and your current work leading up mm-hmm. to Universe. Because the way that you just even mentioned with Rothko and the Horizon Line, I learned this from an interior designer that we really, even in interiors, we always want to set that line, Mm -hmm. right? It gives you that sense of perspective, even going into a kitchen. So the way she would do her interior, she said, I would set the horizon line, even with the countertop or or something that Mm -hmm. would cue us into that. And I don't know if that is relevant to what you just said for Rothko, but it does set that. I think it definitely grounds the piece. And I I feel like that they created this place of meditation around his work is, I mean, it just seems like the perfect compliment (laughs) for, you know, his work. And like I was saying with, with my art, you know, I do start with what I feel like is a meditation and, you know, the energy that comes off of my piece even though it's passing through so many hands of, you know, my camera, it goes to my professional printer, it goes through my computer, it goes to, you know, my fabricator, but I still feel like somehow it holds that memory of my creation in that piece. So people, even if my, you know, my name is not signed on the front, (laughs) but I think that people can recognize my work and it holds that energy. And again, that goes back to string theory. I think like how, how does it actually hold that energy and carry it for so long? Mm -hmm. It does. It will, it will carry. And I love that aspect of when I look at psychotecture, we look at how we select what we select in our homes or our environment to Mm -hmm. reflect who we are. And so if we're putting a piece that I see right now that energy is just amazing. It feels peaceful. It feels transcendent. And that's what I'm interested in, in how to get to know somebody and what speaks, what is their vibe and what, how this artwork bringing it into your home or office or or wherever this would be suited for, it's going to be this energetic relationship. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, I mean, every artist has that energy that, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I think makes art so interesting. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's true. And it's the relationship and, and how you connect in it is so, mm-hmm. is so beautiful. And I think now more than ever, we're so maybe more attuned, right, to what, at least personally, how I feel with a particular piece of work. 
mm-hmm. what that brings up in you. Right. I mean, I'm very careful about everything. Not careful, but I guess I am careful. Like I'm, I pick everything in my place, you know, whether it's a table, a lamp, <laughs> you know, everything is chosen because I, I love to um, create a certain feeling in my space. I bet even seeing, you know, your, your space right now, it's so beautifully intentional. Right. It's very intentional. And I think, you know, interior designers, that's, that's sometimes what you hire them to, to do is be intentional. Mm-hmm. about what's being created. And, you know, just my background, I studied interior design as well for a couple of years. So, I mean, all of that kind of influences everything that I pick. And It does. And, and you can see you having an architectural and interior design and as a fine artist, how it all culminates into your pieces. One last thing I want to ask you is about the layering. You talked mm-hmm. about the layering because there is something... I feel like in composition and music, the layering is part of art and how we layer our forms, our sounds, our visuals. So can you speak to that layering? When I look at art, I'm really aware of of the depth of the piece. My work is, you know, my photography work is abstract expressionism. And I feel like that is about color, it's about composition again, about the energy as it fills the space, I feel that the layering adds this complexity to a piece. It makes it feel more complete. I mean, even when you look at like Barnett Newman or something, which is like those, it's, I call it the zip paintings with just like one color, it looks like, and then a strip down the middle. I feel like when you actually look into what goes into that red, it's not just painted red on the canvas. You know, there's a certain depth to um, creating that layering that you you just can't get from just taking it straight out of the tube. And for me, you know, with the photography, I feel that, you know, what I'm photographing, I use the colors that are found. Like this piece um, was also created from New Zealand. But when you look, when you look at it, it was actually... It was the space between two boathouses um, on a lake and the reflection. So it picks up all of the colors off of the painted, you know, sides of the boathouses, the reflection of the water. You get these kind of like electric blue lines. So all of this is kind of found in the photograph and then the composition and the layering creates like this abstract composition to the piece. Yes. So the layering creates that abstract composition and the way right. that you're conceiving of this one space between the boathouses almost just mm-hmm. transcends with that layering. Yeah. So it's not about what I'm exactly photographing. You won't see a boathouse in this. <laughs> to me, it's about the color and the composition so it's it's not that I'm photographing this. I mean, I have a whole series of um, doorknobs. <laughs> oh, but for me, it's like about life that has been coming and going, the stray marks, scratches, the oxidation of the metal, like all of this kind of, you know, people who paint layer upon layer and then it chips away. You know, like all of this becomes the palette for you know, my composition. I think that's why I'm so attracted to, I was traveling to Havana for a few years and I was just mm. why the erosion of that. That history has just been silently recorded for years, especially in Cuba. I should really go there. That's beautifully said, though, silently recorded. I, mm-hmm. I love how you said that. Well, I feel that we pass by these 
things, you know, like, so, you know, I'm looking close at a doorknob, right. With the scratches. I mean, like some things that people might seen as like, you know, ugly or discarded or unattractive. And I feel like as an artist, I have this opportunity to kind of transcend that. And, you know, I create like something that is very peaceful. So I'm like in back alleys where it's dirty and there's homeless people sometimes. And, you know, I'm doing my photography and I feel like I can, I can create what I want from, you know, this photograph. That is, if you just saw it in the alley, you wouldn't think it was attractive. But once it's been, um, you know, I put my energy into it and it transcends it, it, that. And you could say it, it's alchemy. Yeah, it's, it's alchemy. Oh, I love that. That's exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's true alchemy. Mm-hmm. And lastly, before we go, I, I wanted to hear who your influencer as an artist is to you. And you had mentioned, and I had looked at the work of the artist and I might botch the name of this artist or this actual pavilion, right? Is it Snowheda? And I'm not even sure if I'm saying it correctly. Yes. Yes. It's a Norwegian architect. Correct. Yes. And this wild reindeer pavilion, and I guess I'm just pulling on a theme here because this is based in Norway. Mm -hmm. So there's this, magical I, I don't know I almost feel like there's a mythical place that you live too in some ways right there's something very attractive to the I, I don't know if it's fairy tales and you wouldn't see it necessarily like a fairy tale but there's something okay so the the pavilion I mean, I have like my top, probably top five architects. This is one of them. Okay. And I loved what he did with this because it's a reindeer observation pavilion. So it's set out in this kind of crusty, kind of barren, mountainous region in Norway. And it's basically this glass box of, it's just a glass architectural box made of steel and glass. But inside is this organic kind of carved out wood seating area. It looks like the side of the Grand Canyon that's been worn away by the river. And I love that contrast of the organic versus this strong architectural line. And it does seem kind of magical there. It almost feels like And then psychologically, I think you can only imagine that you feel very protected in this very barren landscape with reindeers, which I can't even imagine how big they are, right? (laughs) Walking by in front as you're observing. I don't, I mean, I don't know how often the reindeers show up, but I feel that it must be really magical to be in that spot. Yeah, because you're, you're able to view in this glass box, you're, Mm -hmm. you're able to have that real like you're in the land you're in it yet you're protected yeah you're protected yeah so So, safety but allowing to be seen and to have these reindeer see you right yeah when I was growing up I grew up in Malibu and I was kind of a tomboy And we would just go through the brush and be all scratched and dirty. And, you know, like, and the the brush is so thick sometimes in Malibu. And then the biggest fear was running into a deer with antlers, you know, because in like, in our mind, we thought, what if it's mad? You know, maybe we should bring some candy for it. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, but we were always scared that we were going to run into a deer. That's like, I was interviewing a biophilic designer last week, and he was talking about when we're designing, 
you know, we're obviously always going to be in safety first to see what Mm -hmm. is a threat and the deer. And I love that you grew up in Malibu and yes, you're playing in the elements so much more. (laughs) In Ohio, I wasn't afraid of the deer. We never, (laughs) I don't know why I never interact. (laughs) (laughs) What do they have in Ohio? I don't even know. There was deer in the backyard. And I just don't know if we were as or at least I wasn't as I, I was a nature girl, but I wasn't as interactive. I, I in fairy tale world when I was younger, I, I used to go out to try to find a unicorn. I was very <laughs> convinced I that that. I would find it. But um, no, this this pavilion is truly one that I have not seen, and I, I want to share that on social media as well as maybe in the newsletter because it's even reflecting the sky. Oh, I know, right? So, reflecting the sky. Yeah, it's so beautiful how it's reflecting the terrain. That's, I think, the, but you can still see that that kind of molded wood form on the inside. Oh, it's so subtle and so perfect. Mm-hmm. And organic, which speaks to a lot of your work. Yeah, those. that's one of my top. I could go on with my whole list. But oh my gosh. Sorry. We need more. <laughs> Another time. <laughs> Nicole Landau. I, <laughs> I, I really feel for your background, your history in architecture, interiors, photography, and art. Your work is really so exquisite. And it does have that sense of just you're, you're energetically engaged in that space. And I am so excited for universe to be manifested and to be realized well thank you thank you i'm i'm ready for that i'm ready for that as well (laughs) yes and i really hope to continue our conversation as you being such a fine artist here in los angeles so it was such a privilege thank you so much it was really a pleasure to talk to you and how do we is there a website Right. You can just go to NicoleLandau.com. Okay. For the sculpture, I am. Um, I have a partnership with Wendy, and yeah. she's representing me on the sculpture. The sculpture. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nicole. I really appreciate you. your time and sharing all your artistic wisdom with our listeners today. And I wish Thank you the best of luck and all of it. Thank you. This is Psychotecture by Rachel Malvald with coaching, consultation, and psychotherapy offered virtually and in home throughout the Los Angeles greater area and nationally. We work to ease design challenges to create transformative habitats. Thank you, and we look forward to the next episode and your questions. If you're enjoying this Psychotech is in, please subscribe to my podcast, as well as follow me on social media at Rachel Malvald. And if you are a client, couple, or designer architect having a design challenge, please feel free to email me at my website, psychotecture.com, or rachel at psychotecture.com.